Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. I'm thrilled. I've Adam Carolla back on the show. Uh, you should go listen to the first podcast the two of us did, uh, which uh, we got so many letters about. And you, I know you got a lot of feedback from it, too. I love it. I, uh, I, I, I love this uh, medium because I love the feedback. I love the fact that you... <laughs> You're getting a, an unstepped on, unfiltered, unwhatevered version, long form version. I, it sounds trite and it sounds like it's been said many times before, but I just mean for somebody who's done, myself, who's done a million talk shows, you know, Letterman and, uh, you know, uh, Keenan Ivory Waynes and uh, Terry Bradshaw's show. I mean, uh, all the, all the major, you know, the Leno's and the Kimmel's and, and the Conans and all that. I've done all the Donnie Marie. Like sometimes Dr. Drew has to remind me that we did this guy's show. Like people forget that Donnie Marie had a talk show. People forget that Terry Bradshaw had a talk show. And, and people forget that Keenan had a talk show. Uh, Keenan Ivory had a talk show. And, 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 and beyond. Like I did like Vibe and stuff like that. And I've done them all. And every segment is between six and nine minutes and it's well produced and you know exactly what you're going to say and they know exactly what they're going to ask. And that's about that. And this format is completely different. And I think that the conversation that the two of us were able to have because we come at certain things from such a different place, but we like each other so much. People were shocked that uh, that we were able to. And it says something I think about the world we're living in. Every email starts with, uh, I was so pleasantly surprised that you guys weren't uh, tearing each other apart. Well, you know, I had this thing that uh, somebody asked me the other day because, well, here's an interesting thought, I think. I probably yeah. should let you just, your, your listeners decide if it's interesting or not. Here's my thought. Um, somebody said to me, uh, you, you do these uh, projects and these events and stuff, and uh, you're such good friends with uh, Dennis Prager. He's uh, like a Hasidic Jew, super conservative and very God-fearing and reads the Bible all day, doesn't watch TV, like doesn't – you could name any TV show. He's never heard of it. He doesn't know who Katy Perry is. Like he's that guy. He says, someone says, what, what do you guys have in common? I said, nothing, but we have one thing in common. And, and then I, I realized what it was, common sense. We have common sense in common. And if you have common sense in common, I think that trumps whatever your team is, whatever your God is, uh, whether, you, whether you believe in this and whether you believe in that. Like, I feel like we have common sense. And I, and I think you'll find... Throughout your travels, if you meet people with common sense, then it doesn't really matter where you come from or where they come from. That common sense might trump almost everything else. That I, I think, um, I think that's largely true. I think the uh, another thing is curiosity to find the better answer. That that's may a be very a, good. That's a very good point. And I think that that's the, a thing that you and Dennis Prager for sure have in common, which is. If you make a good point, if you're able to make a good point, that he's going to listen to it. He may, he'll try to counter you, but he will take that information in and maybe come back to you in a week. I mean, it's no different than, you know, your, your son just walked in here because he'd found that you guys were discussing a, the age of a football player. And he, Archie Manning. And he, oh, no, uh, no, not sorry, Archie, because Archie's not 32 sorry. or 37. Cousin Sal. So it, here's how the, 
here's how they, I had a senior moment. Cousin Sal is coming over. Jimmy's cousin Sal's coming over to watch football. His son is named Archie. My daughter, I think, has a crush on him because my daughter was up and at him early this morning to come in and come watch football with daddy. And she's never up and at him because Archie's going to be there. And that's why Archie, Archie was on my mind, and yeah, my son was just but, asking me. But I me saw about, it, and you and your son were trying to find this answer out, and then he came running in because instead of insisting does. that Eli was this other age, he wanted you to know, hey, you were right. This was the thing, and he went and, and looked. And I think a curiosity to learn from the other person, even if the other person comes from a different um, point of view, is why we can stay not only civil, but like enjoy talking to each other. Well, why? First off, like my feeling is. What's in it for you to be buried in your own thoughts, some of which may be incorrect? So when I do a lot of building things and when I build stuff, I, I, I always walk people sort of through the project and I go, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Tell me what you think. What do you got? And they go, well, why would you put the door so close to the pool? I feel like that doesn't make sense. People are going to come in the house and I'll go, oh, you're right. And I'll circle it. And then they'll tell me other things that I disagree with and I won't use it. It's my house. It's my house. That's the way I feel. And no one comes into your house and goes, whose idea was it to put the bay window by the thing instead of the <laughs> instead of the sliders? Like no one ever says that. I was um, sitting around with the Jay Leno yesterday, and Jay Leno called me about three weeks ago, and he said, eh, uh, that joke, he, I was telling him, I don't know, we're in a van going to an airport or something, and I was just pontificating. And there's something I said that he liked. And he said, can I use that? Can I use your joke? Can I use it in my stand-up? And I said, yeah, go ahead. And I kind of forgot about it. And then I saw him yesterday and he said, oh, that thing you gave me, it's turning into something and thank you. It's it's working out well. And I, and I thought, oh, good. It feels good. And then I realized that's his joke now. Like he, he goes out on stage. There's 2,000 people. Everybody thinks it's his idea. It's fine with me. Why be closed to other people's ideas? They become your ideas. You get credit for them. Why? Of course, cherry pick all the good ideas. That, yeah, that you can and, and test your, it's what's great. You, you've made documentaries and I have. The great thing about making a documentary for me is you start out with this idea, this thesis. Then you go chase it down and you find all this information that confirms it, but a lot of information that causes you to question it. And as a good documentarian, you have to go chase down those tributaries and find out if that's true and then put that back into the work. And I, I think it's a great way to approach life also. It'd, it'd be nice. I, I, I find that, I find that people hang on way too tight to their ideas or, or their exclamations or their, or whatever their views or whatever, whatever they are. And, and I think it's because they've invested too much of their themselves in their proclamations or their ideas. And and you should not be tied to your idea, your proclamation, or your thought because once you tie yourself to it, then if it's wrong, you're wrong. And then by proxy, you're bad or you're dumb or you're whatever. You should always have this fluidity to go, 
well, this is what I thought or this is what I said, but I now have changed my mind or I agree with this person's idea. And well, that's actually what learning is. That's how you learn. So how come um, America, Americans, we have such a hard time separating uh, our ideas from our identity? I, I think it's a, uh, okay, so I think most everything we hate in human behavior, we're born with. So kids are inherently selfish. You know, my son just came in here and he corrected himself, but he's 11 now. When he was five, he was right about everything all the time, you know? And I could remember if I, as I think back on being seven years old and saying things just weird off the cuff things. Like I remember watching um, college football with my dad. And I said that, you know, that, that running back, that guy, that guy's a pro player, man. He's a pro. I meant pro. I heard it as good. Man, he's good. My dad said, no, he's not a pro player. He's a college player. And I went, no, but a pro, (laughs) he's a pro guy. And she was like, no, he's not a pro. You're not using the word right. And I mean, I don't mean, I couldn't, and I just, like, it bugged me. I wouldn't let it go, so on and so forth. So every bad quality we have, like, you know, your kid, hey, here's uh, here's 10 jelly beans. I'll put it between you and Brian. All right, I'm 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 53. You take five, I'll take five. Uh, or you take five, I'll take five. I'll give one to James Dixon. I'll take four. Yeah. All right, when you're a kid, you go, I'll take 10. And you go, well, what about Brian? What about him? I want 10. And you go, but do you think that's fair to Brian? It's like, no, no, I don't care. It's it's like every bad quality adults have, you had when you were four. But then there's a maturing process and you start passing through those things and you start letting those things go, those qualities. And every person that you don't like is basically, or does things you did. Those are just people that are doing what a four-year-old and a 190-pound adult body would do. Well, sure. That, uh, that's true. And, you know, then there are the kids. I mean, as I'm sure you know that study because I think I've heard people mention on the show where one of the things that was predictive of how successful somebody would be in life is that, that thing where they, they put them, them in the room and, and uh, you know, if they don't eat all the cookies, they get more cookies. The marshmallow thing. Yeah. yeah, no, I think about that all the time. But I also wonder, so I do believe that there's a maturity and we're not passing through, we're not maturing like we used to. We used to, there was, you know, you become a man when I, and I left my childish things behind, you know, like there, there's a certain dignity and I don't, I'm not going there anymore because I'm a man now, you know, and the guys did that at 16. I mean, it might, you know, they ju- went it to might war. just be because we were all watching Westerns with our dads we yes. kids, and those values were just on the, the thing, you know, so we thought that's what we were supposed to do. Um, I like saying grown up now, not man, because, you know, I'm politically correct. But, but the, well, okay, yes. the grown up, but also what we're talking about, as I think about it as well, is if, so people are not maturing and in, 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 in becoming grown ups, uh, which is one thing. The, the other thing is um, it's the way people, are presenting their case. And when you present your case to people that aren't grownups, 
you get a lot of pushback. So it's like if you think about just your wife, you know, if I say to my wife, um, hey, the front door was unlocked when I your keys were in the front door last night when I when I came home, like, could you be a little less stupid, bitch? She'd be like, hey, let me tell you 50 things that are wrong with you, asshole. But if I said, uh, I took your keys out, I put them on the, the front desk there, they were in the lock. So uh, try to be a little more careful, please. I love you. She'd go, okay. You know, so it's really, you're asking the same thing. You're kind of saying the same thing. One is being presented in a way that makes her dumb and irresponsible. The other is presented in a way that makes me loving and responsible or worried about the family safety. It's the exact same message. It's just delivered in a totally different way. And we're delivering every message in a, hey, bitch, what are you doing? In our for? culture, we are. Yes. Right. On Twitter. Right. And, and so that, that's going to start a fight. You'd be fighting with your wife in the kitchen versus, oh, thanks for grabbing my keys. Yeah, it's, it's what Penn talks about when he says we all want to just uh, – it's the team sports approach to everything. This I, do, I identify with this group of things, and, and this is my team, and fuck you if, if you disagree. We're, we're all – so many of us – and I mean I'm guilty of it too, right? If, if you're a uh, Trump supporter, I really do – in life, I really think less of you. Well, everybody has – I mean I truly – like I truly think less of you um, a year later if you think, oh, that guy's rational, that guy's – you know, smart enough. I don't to do think the he's right. I know <laughs> I don't you don't think. think. Special. No, I but know there, you don't think that. No, but there are things I like. Like I'm economy based. Like I want to get the economy. I like I like job talk, for instance. You could like um, a conservative Republican uh, libertarian set of uh, set of policies, and still, th- I would say you're, you're smart enough to keep these two ideas in your head, right? All those things you'd like. The guy there is maybe too crazy for the job. I think. Well, a couple things. I do think I can't separate. I know Trump a little bit. I've always known he's like who he is like and, and I get it. And I and I understand through an experience I had with him that I can share with you. Like, I understand why he got elected. And I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you that story. I'm also but I am I must say. I'm not nearly as caught up in the that guy would be a good guy to have a beer with guy theory because I'll never have a beer with him and I I, I just want him I want him to get like people employed and I want uh, you know I want to save a few bucks on taxes like I'm very nuts and bolts I'm not that interested in the personality even though I understand you don't want to seem like you have a, a reckless mad person running your country that's not a great uh, not foot only to put seeming forward. if he's actually a reckless mad person which I think he is like, does there seeming that way? I don't, I, I've, I, I've had interactions with him and, you know, my interactions, the reason I, the reason he got elected, my theory is, uh, so it's more than a theory. I think it's why he got elected. I, 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 uh, I haven't shared this with you, I don't think, but I, I did an episode of the marriage ref with him and, uh, it was me, him and Gloria Estefan. I would, uh, there are two, uh, I, I would rather Estefano or you be president of the United States. <laughs> Out of the three people on Marriage Ref, I think two of you would do a fine job. Thank you. I, uh, 
I, I, so it was Gloria first, though. To be Gloria clear, first. Gloria first. Well, because you got that sort of first. Just you got the female, you got the Hispanic, you got the Miami Sound Machine in the Oval Office. Yeah, she and and also you know they they were really smart about business. They they really figured it all out. Yeah, she's she came back from a bad act. There's a lot bad of stuff. tour bus she's accident. Tough. She's really tough. Resilient. You know Titanium what I mean? hip. There's a lot of stuff there. She's got something called grit. So. We, it, was, it was the three of us, and I was like looking at the Donald, and I was looking at uh, Gloria, and I was like, this has this supposed to be a comedy show. So I realized that I was going to probably have to do most of the heavy lifting in the, the comedy department. But the reason Trump's in the Oval Office, or probably on the links right now, is I I saw him backstage, and he came up to me, and we knew each other bit i guess but he gave me a sort of firm handshake and a sort of slap on the shoulder like like we're old friends you know and he said uh adam this episode number one number one in the ratings i guarantee it you check you check tomorrow after it airs i guarantee it's number one number one and i was like and so my mind is normally in a place of like why am i on this show i've heard of both these people i grew up well, you know, when I was 26 and driving a pickup truck, I was listening to Gloria Estevan and Sound Machine, like, on the radio. Like, why am I? Who am I? What am I doing here? And he was like, number one. And I for, for a minute, I was like, yeah, number one. Why not? Why yeah. can't we be number one? And then we did the show, and he was like, best episode ever. It'll be number one. You check those ratings. You tell me. You check tomorrow, whatever. And he walked out, and, and I felt good. Like, I felt pumped up. I felt like, yeah, yeah, why wouldn't we be number one? I never checked the ratings. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sure we weren't number one. We couldn't be number one. The show was canceled like six months later. But I see what he did. He made me feel like proud. I felt like pumped up a little bit. Yeah, I felt then, like, why not? Why can't I be number one? Was the feeling. And then six months later, the show was canceled. The show is gone. Yeah, that's right. That's my problem. So right, you've, just, be- you've just articulated uh, exactly the problem. I, but, but I told you why he's in the office. <laughs> he no, no, told I, everyone, oh, I, I, feel like you're number one. No, sure. I've thought a lot about wh- why why he's in, in the office. And I guess, you know, uh, this is the question of how you balance those things. Like, you know, it all sound, it's very rational sounding, of course. The, who doesn't want to pay lower taxes? And I mean, all this stuff, about, right? I, I'm certainly in the I know, it's all going to benefit me. I don't uh, know. Me, well, I by the way, I, if you're in New York, I know, right? I might be I'm, in, I'm in California. I think we're both going to pay more. <laughs> that's 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 what I've heard. Well, yeah, because he wanted to, you know, they wanted to screw over the, those places. But, and I don't even really want to talk about this. I, I have other things I want to ask you about. But uh, it does seem to me that if I balance the equities, just the North Korea thing is, and, and I, and that's why it's this isn't Democrat or, or Republican. I don't think Obama solved it. Bush didn't solve it. N- none of them have solved it. What they didn't do was get the world blown up, though. He And I think there's some percentage chance that his quick, uh, his temper, his ego, and his fundamental narcissism could create a scenario where nuclear weapons are fired. And And for me, that's the binary. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I think it's a small percentage, but I, uh, I yeah, still but, um, agree. Oh, it's but, you definitely going to. Well, here's here's what I here's what I sort of feel like. Although you're probably going to hate this analogy, but I sort of feel like this. 
North Korea and 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 many of these despot dict yeah. d- dictator whatever's it's like every once in a while somebody gets shot in the head and the bullets in your head and the surgeon goes we're just going to leave it which by the way that makes you the laziest surgeon on the planet like why are you a hero <laughs> you don't want to do your job like I'm an arborist a yeah. tree fell on your house leave it just leave it I'm not getting my chainsaw but they go they go just leave it and then you go why should we leave it? They go because it's not. It, Cause if it's, we get in there, nobody wants a bullet in their head. But it's and it's not a good thing. And maybe in twenty years we'll have to do something. But it's not really doing anything right now. And so you, so that's kind of what like North Korea always was. Like like Obama and Bush and everyone else is going just just Nobody's leave it, just agree, leave it, leave the bullet, leave yeah. the bullet. And Trump's goes, give me my scalpel. And you go, oh, oh wait a minute, that could be good. But it could also kill the patient. That's the only difference the I'd I feel say is this. Trump says, give me that scalpel. And he, he puts on this thing. And then you say, can I see your medical license? You find <laughs> he's not even a fucking doctor. So that's that's the problem with your analogy. If it was a doctor saying it, I'd feel oh, fine. Oh, well, he'd be handing the scalpel to somebody saying, get to go to work on it. But you're still going, well, well hold on. That could right. cause oh, paralysis. Yeah. He's forcing the doctor to do right. it. This is right. a good analogy. It is a good, it's the, my analogy. It's of course brilliant, it's good. Adam. But he's saying to the, except it's a, here's where it fails, right? Mm. Or here's where it's troubling. Because it's a good analogy and it speaks to exactly the problem. He would then say to some doctor, the generals, right? He'd say, hey, get in there. And, you know, almost like, a, okay, so I'm sure like it is for me, Stripes is a foundational movie for you. I, he yeah. is Captain Stillman. Yes. He is Captain Stone. The army has trained you to fire the weapon. And the guys go, what are the coordinates? He goes, coordinates? Just fire the weapon. Well, and then the guy fires it and they blow up poor Warren Oates. All I, he was I trying think, to do, Sergeant Hulka, was yeah, train I think, the men. I think the problem is, is he says to the first surgeon, do this. And the surgeon hands him the scalpel back and says, I won't participate in this charade. And then he'll go, I'll go find a surgeon who will do it. And that's when you start getting into trouble. That's the problem for me. So, okay, let, that's the Trump uh, thing. Um, for me, those things make it that uh, we should all figure out a way for that guy not to be in office. I guess for you, though, the... What you see as him solving certain structural problems or the people around him doing it makes it like, uh, okay, that he's president. Like, you don't wake up worried that he's president. No, but I, I've never, I, I'm really consistent in that I've never really thought that the president made a huge difference in, in my life per se. Now people can go, well, that's your life. You're not a Hispanic woman or something, something like that. And that's true. But I've, I've been through enough presidents and I've been through enough sort of, oh my God, this guy's president is going to ruin everything. And oh my God, this guy's a president. He's going to fix everything to know that nothing ever fully gets ruined and nothing ever fully gets fixed. So I'm going to stay consistent, which is I just sort of focus on my family, my business and being a good neighbor. Yeah, I that and that. also I also have this crazy thing, this wiring which is every uh, uh, sort of a creed which is every second I spend thinking about or dedicating sort of energy to things I can't change is kind of it is kind of a second wasted for me. I'm very much if I can change it, I'm on it. If I can't change it, I'm, I'm, I'm moving forward. It doesn't mean I don't think about it or know about it. It's just I can't do anything 
about it, so I'm only going to dedicate X amount of brain power to it. Well, your pragmatism is one of the great. Your pragmatism yes. is one of like my favorite things about you. It's it's um it's why if I'm uh, have a question about the way I'm going to drive uh, this stick shift in a certain situation, I'm going to call you because you're going to go, ah, I know something about this. I can help a, f- a friend. I'm going to help you solve this problem, and you're like engaged in it and able to fully focus on it, which is a real gift to pragmatically solve uh, a problem like that, right? It's a gift to some degree, and that's also kind of a learned, practiced experience, which is you have to sort of get up every day and be pragmatic. But the downside of it, I think, is is potentially, it, it's actually not true that, that, that you don't have a tool to, if you thought what I thought, which was forgetting all the, forgetting these, the domestic policy things that you agree with, most of which, many of which I disagree with. But if you agreed with me that the instability was an actual problem, you have a huge platform to try to do something about it. I, I do have a platform, and one can sort of argue over the size, but I do have a platform, and I know we have that sort of new decree, which is if you have your platform, use your platform. But I don't know what then that would yield. Like I'm, I'm not. I feel like if I turn on the news. All I see is get this guy out of office. That's those are pretty big platforms. Like I turn on the TV and someone's talking, wanting to know if he has either dementia or he suffers from a narcissistic disorder or both. Like I, I, I feel like it's out there. I don't know what that. I don't know what we're gonna do to get him out. Uh, I would say if you, Adam Carolla, who's identified with uh, uh, being someone who's rational about this stuff, by the side that disagrees with me, if you did come to the conclusion, I'm not saying you had, if you came to the conclusion that he was a true danger, I would say you're saying that would actually, there, there, it's one of those, you could have a moment like uh, Edward Murrow. You could have the Edward Murrow moment, like in, in Goodbye and Good Luck, where you say, uh, you know, the way he did to McCarthy, like, well, this is, have you no shame, sir? Like, and I have you no shame, sir, a moment from you would mail at a lot of people. I think you think about this, good ratings for the, but I think you, you having that moment, and if you ever do, you got to say it just like, you know, you have to say, have you no shame, sir? Yes. That would tip something, I think, in some way. I, if you could, you know, not now, but at some point, perhaps later today, like really sit down and make me understand what it would tip and how that tipping would work, then I would be, I, I, I would entertain that notion. It's a project. Yeah, we can do the project. This could be a project over a few weeks. Okay. We can have the conversation. All right. I have one question for all of the, I'm going to listen to a podcast to help me fall asleep people. Are you struggling to get some shut eye? I hate when I'm struggling to get shut eye. I hate it when I can't fall asleep. Listen, if you answered yes, you're in luck because we have a great tip for how you can zonk out more easily. Mattress Firm. America's Neighborhood Mattress Store lets your budget stretch further when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep. They are more than mattress experts. They have the whole package that helps you transform your mattress into a bed, from adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor. They have you covered, literally and figuratively. Go to mattressfirm.com podcast to see what deals are happening right now as I read this sentence to you. They even offer you a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection and a 120-night low-price guarantee so you know you paid the perfect price. Look, I value my sleep because uh, I have limited time. I'm a writer, primarily, uh, storyteller, 
And if I am sleepy, if I haven't gotten enough sleep, I find it really hard to stay focused and concentrate. But when I have a good night's sleep, it becomes much, much easier. Again, go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to learn how your sleeping could be monumentally improved. All right, I've been thinking a lot about your position on like uh, school breakfasts, hot breakfasts, lunches and stuff. Yes. And in, in further, I've been thinking a lot about it because I was trying to think, okay, what can we a- a- agree on and that sci- like studies can, can show? And one of those things is uh, education in general, disparity in sort of infrastructure and education is a pretty predictive. Not in the individual, not in the case of someone with the skills that you have or a great athlete has, but it can be predictive. And sure. I was thinking about this. I was, I was exercising this morning at the gym, and I was uh, – at the end, I wiped the equipment off. And I thought there's no doubt in my mind – Adam Carolla wipes the equipment off at the gym. Yes. Uh, I, well, so what I do, uh, and it's not because I'm a saint, I, I, I walk from this shop to the other shop about 100 yards away. And when I walk, sometimes I'll see a drywall screw just on the ground and the sidewalk or on the street. And I've gotten enough flat tires from running over enough drywall screws that I always stop and pick them up, even if it has nothing to do with my shop, because it's in between my shop and I don't park there. But what I try to explain to everybody is, and and, and it it seems like a time suck, but it's really not. It's kind of weird. So you go, well, how does it benefit you from wiping down the military press machine, the shoulder press machine, how's that benefit you? Because you're done with it and you're moving on to the squats. And how it benefits you is you become the person that wipes things down and you become the person that takes care of business. And I do these things because I believe in having one modality. And I yell it at the guys over here at my shop, at this shop, at the other shop or whatever, which is, I'll, I'll give you an example. Everyone has a microwave at home. Everyone has a microwave at work. People treat those two microwaves dramatically different. <laughs> the one at, at home gets babied and pampered and coddled. And the one in the, at work gets treated like a, a, like a rented mule, right? Like blow up burritos in there and they just look around and grab the paper plate. I like it when the doors open. Like they don't even shut the door. Like the doors yeah, sure. just open. I frequently find the microwave with like two seconds left on it. So you have to like re-zero it out before you. Oh, end. that happens at home too, I would say. That one can happen at that home. That can happen at home depending on it's how you raise your kids. It's annoying in either place, but that can happen at home. That can, but not with me. Sure. If we live together, it would never happen. The greatest odd couple, but but I say the greatest, and I I mean that with affection. Like we would be awesome together. I'd be punching up your scripts, yes. zeroing out the microwave. I'd read to you. <laughs> I'd be reading to you. You'd be reading to me. <laughs> I'd be explaining to you that you're riding the clutch in the nine eleven. You're gonna burn it out. It'd be awesome. Yeah. So the um, by the way, just in terms of uh, some of your Hollywood friends, this would not go over well. Do you know that your nine eleven stick shift? Wait, we got to do this on your show. But you right, do it here. But, but do Same you know? Here, yes. Do you know that in two thousand and eighteen that they still refer 
to the master cylinder and the slave cylinder as the one that engages the clutch. I'm selling the car. You should sell I'm it now. It's a hate crime. When you push in the clutch, you engage the master cylinder, and the master cylinder tells the slave cylinder to engage the clutch. They're talking about uh, Nebuchadnezzar's slaves in ancient Babylonia. That's when they first invented the stick shift. That's right. So it's not about the modern, so, that's not about American slaves. So the, the yeah, that's a good point. So the, the micro, my, here's what I'm saying to everyone. Do not have the way you treat your microwave at home and then have an alternate way you treat the microwave at work. Don't have what you do with your gym equipment versus what you do with their gym equipment. Just have one mode. Have one mode and have that one mode be, I'm the guy who wipes down the gym equipment. I'm the guy who wipes down the microwave door when my cup of, cup of noodles spits up on it. Just have that one mode. And then you won't have to decide or toggle. But what I was thinking about in the related to this is, so you would wipe down the stuff, yes, because it's good training for you, and because it's, but but also because the next guy should have the uh, uh, experience of finding that equipment and being able to use it properly, right? Being able to use it without your fucking sweat on there, without you damaging it, without you fucking it up. You should never impose on that other person, and which so, is interesting. Uh, you know what an interesting. Uh, Second uh, Dennis Prager reference is he has a very good point about mood. He says you owe it to other people to not be in a bad mood. You're just like you owe it to other people to put deodorant on. Like you're, it's it's affecting the people you work oh, with. It's affecting your kids. Uh, oh it's yeah, it is. It is selfish to be in a bad mood in front of your coworkers or in front of your kids. Not only selfish, it um. If it's it's been proven, this woman Ashley Merriman is a sociologist. She's just sending me this stuff on um, the way you criticize somebody, the way your mood can uh, actually can affect performance. It's actually really a bad thing if you want people to do well, not never to criticize them, but the way in which you try to change their behavior. Um, all right, two, two things that I want to make sure to get to because my my point about the equipment is, and this goes to taxes, a question of taxes, which is. If education is, if the, the, the opportunity to get a, a similar education really matters, isn't it, can't you make the justification, or why can't you, that it would be worth it to pay a little bit more in taxes, take it from defense, if you're a libertarian, which you are, take it from defense, so that the so kids, because no fault of their own they were born, would have, and I'm not talking about, hey, everyone has to read the same books. I think, you know, let every town decide what the books are, all that shit aside. I'm talking about infrastructure. I'm talking about computers in schools, heat, like Detroit. You know, they don't have heat in the schools. They don't even have water, but that's a separate issue. They don't have heat in the schools. What's the argument? Because for me, it's such a, that's so simple. I'm so happy to pay more taxes if I thought my taxes were going to go to help those kids in Detroit go to a school that has heat. Because if you have heat and you're not freezing, you can think and concentrate and study. Their teachers were paid a few dollars more. They'd get maybe slightly better teachers. There's sort of really like an infrastructure for education argument. Again, not about what books they can read, but about having the opportunity to have fucking books, smart boards, all that shit. So what's, what's your, that's the one thing I thought like, well, I can't really under, I can't, I can't get my arm around the other, arms around the other argument. Uh, well, my sort of overall approach to everything is the first thing I like is some competition. I don't feel like the government does anything well 
I don't feel like anyone does anything well when they have a monopoly. Um, so the kids from Detroit should have to beat up kids from other schools. That's the competition. Then they yes. can take their stuff. Yeah, think Thunderdome. <laughs> then they can take their equipment. No, no I, seriously. I, the, the schools themselves, you know, I, I had uh, my engineer Dawson over here bought a house recently, and he said uh, I, he couldn't come into work on a Tuesday. And I said, why not? And he said, they're turning the gas on. And I said, well, how does that prevent you from coming to work? And he said, the window's 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And I realized, oh, that's the gas company. You can't open the phone book and go to five other gas companies. There's just the gas that, company. Yeah, that's why I'm and not saying the government should. That's, that's right. what that's, that creates. That's why I'm it, not saying the government should set the curriculum. I get that. I'm no, not, not saying the curriculum. That. I don't think they do a good job of spending my money because there's one. So the first thing I want is choice and vouchers. I want you to be able to go. I want those inner city kids to be able to go to a school that some guy started but with, why should with there a voucher. Be any school? Why shouldn't I? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't even know enough. One of the great things about turning older with this conversation of learning new information is um, when I got to be 50, I'm 51. I realized uh, I'm so happy to say I don't know about stuff now. Yeah. I love saying I don't know. I Let's love learn it when more. you say I don't know. I don't know. Once in a while. But, so, yeah, vouchers, I'm not one of these liberals who's like, there's no, school choice is definitely bad. There are ways in which it could probably be structured where it's good. What I wonder about, though, or the thing that is, uh, our kids, there's no chance our kids would go to a school without great facilities because we've both been successful financially in life, right? But it seems to punish other kids is really wrong. All right, let's, look, first things first. There needs to be a baseline that we all agree with as as members of society and humanitarians. Yes. You know, if 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 you want to buy a Winnebago and park it in Venice Beach in front of my three million dollar house and live tax free, and every morning I see you sitting at the Starbucks, I don't want that homeless guy in front of my house. If you are severely mentally impaired, I want you taken care of. I want people taken care of. You know, I want people that are truly hungry and truly poor fed. So I think there's a baseline we can all agree on. Nobody wants schools with lead paint dripping from the ceilings and no heater and all that kind but of stuff. But you know there are those schools in I, all these inner sure. cities. Well, there, there, there almost has to be in a weird way because – that's the nature of the, that's the machine. I mean, there's going to be schools that are doing up here and ones that are doing down there. So first things first, baseline, of course, heat, you know, no asbestos exposure, no radon exposure, like all that kind of stuff. I want all that stuff taken care of. I'm on and the you're happy page. to pay taxes for that stuff to happen? Or do you think it has oh, to be no, local? I am, I'm, I am happy to pay taxes for that. But as someone who's taxed at about 50%, I don't think that if I could get to 61%, the kids in Detroit would have a space heater. I think the government is fucking something up. They're taking half of my money and the guys from Detroit don't have heat. So my feeling is, is you could take, I could get up to, I don't know, I'm at, you know, 47% or whatever. I could get up to 56%. If I thought for a second that that would get them world-class HVAC systems in their classrooms, I would do it. Right. I don't believe that'll happen. That's what you that's, don't believe. Your problem is problem. you think the structure of the government is so fucked up. And it's true right now, right, um, 
the it's mostly their local municipality taxes. Well, are- it all look first. First off, education is nine, and I think here's where we differ. Education is about eighty. Seven and a half percent the home, and then twelve and a half percent the facility. I mean, you literally—if you had a kid, and that kid comes from an intact—I'm not even saying dad and a mom, two moms, three dads, whatever—but just stability with parents that are saying, "Hey, what's your assignment? Let's let's read together tonight." Like, like sure. Everything. But I'm thinking about the kids who don't have that. Right. I right, agree with you that right. that that's bad. Nobody would argue that. No, that, nobody would argue. That even a single mother well, who's focused, a single mother who's doing every that. Right. A single dad is doing that. that no one would argue that. Nobody better than would the argue one who's that. Checked out. Nobody argues that. But what they do argue is when you start talking about ways to remedy that. That's when they start arguing. That's when the argument starts. What I'm saying is, is the first thing, since we've been arguing about this for 20 years, so that the, the kid was one, now the kid's 21, and we're still arguing about this same thing. Well, because they're still, because I would love to see, because I think people like me believe, like, th- remedying the social piece or figuring the social piece out is very hard. Very hard. There are, um, lots of people have tried lots of, th- remedying the social piece is really challenging. Well, here, here's my here's my thing. My yeah. here's my my feeling as it pertains to education. If you have kids and a steady influx of kids who come from chaos, and sometimes it's not just you know. Sometimes there's a mom and a dad, but the kid is being sexually abused or physically sure. abused. It's just there's substance, whatever. If those kids who come from chaos cannot go to another building and sit down and absorb knowledge and information, even if they have the best computers and pumped in I agree, but I'm talking about, as you would often say, I'm just talking about the average kid. I'm talking about the average kid who is in an average home, not the greatest home, not the worst home. I don't, okay, average, everything being average, I don't, money as it pertains to performance at, at school and, and or education, I don't look at as much different than sports. I think we can all agree that you don't, it doesn't take money to excel in sports. I don't think it takes money to excel at school. It takes a will and it takes an environment that you come the, from uh, to excel. And and the uh, to me, I think the infrastructure that when you, if schools that don't have the shit that the other schools have, is, uh, that's a small part of it, in my opinion. Okay, so that's the difference. That's a small I, I, part of it. it. Look, I, one of the valuable things about talking to you is, be, like, you know, obviously I, I see that 180 degrees differently than you do, but it's fascinating to hear your reason. Well, I'm saying it's fascinating to hear that you that that because I would assign different values to it. I would say the best chance that kid has is to at least go to a place, at least go to a place with good teachers who might recognize something, a place where they can go to school and not feel threatened, a place where the Yes. Uh, the structure is sound where they have not the most modern equipment, where they have modern enough equipment to That is your one well, you're hundred percent correct. And yeah. I would also say this if you took all these kids from my kids' public school, all the little Asian kids or half Asian kids with the white daddy and the Asian mommy who've incredibly loved and disciplined and trained and everything else, and you sent them to a place with no heat and no computers, they would still perform. If they've already had like the training to, they had have, the family have done that. Yes, I'm not going to argue about family. I mean, okay. I, like the family, there's, there's no question that uh, uh, a family life where the child is in some way um, a kind of focus 
to their attention and all that is, is really good. I know we have to wrap up soon. Uh, dude, I heard something on your show the other day that I can't understand. You know, I listen to your show. I've listened to it for years. Let's I listened hear to it. Since I was two years old. Uh, I'd like to say. I don't like I'm the BC years, boys. I'm saying, no. I, no, this. Uh, you were like telling the Hawaii story. And you say, uh, and so, you know, we flew home. I mean, you know, we flew home, coach. And I was just like, what the fuck? Dude, you're a multimillionaire. You make millions of dollars a year, wife, like coach. I need to justify, I need to understand. Because you complain about the coach travel, the leg room, the thing. What the fuck are you flying coach for? I have to understand it. I will tell you this. I had this conversation the other day with somebody, which is I can, when we're done today, we're going to go walk over and look at a $5 million car. And I have no problem doing that. There are things that you own, a $5 million car that you own. That I, that I own and that I purchase, and I have, I have no problem with that. If somebody said, hey, um, you're at Caesar's Palace, uh, we're going down to the pool, and I said, I forgot my swim trunks. And you said, well, just go to the Caesar's Palace gift shop. They have a pair of uh, uh, OPs over there for 89 bucks. I'd go, are you nuts? <laughs> no. I can't do that. She's hardwired. It's it's me. It's like I can't. I'm not worth an eighty. I don't wear. We're Corollas. We don't wear eighty nine dollars swim trunks. Are you kidding? I'll just roll up my Levi's and sit in the shallow end. Like that's that's who I am. And my thing about money is, uh, I I will fly first class and whatever. But here's my pragmatism: the plane, the time you spend on the plane is the exact same amount of time. And we're all going to land at the same time and get off on the same time. And when we get off, I will have paid $2,000 more. It's an element of super pragmatism versus you're not worth it. You're Corolla. Just right. uh, some self-hatred and some self-regard in some way, both things together. Right. Last question. And it's kind of bit like a, it might, you might end up, your, your guys might be in a way, it might go over three minutes because of this. But I, I just want to end, end by asking you this question. If I... What do you think of, uh, if you separate the world and you think about good people and bad people, when I say good person to you, what do you think of? Like, what makes someone a good person? Conscientious. uh, Awareness of others. Just a general, when you get into your car at the Costco and it's packed on a Saturday and you see people circling and circling, like as you're walking out to your car, you've passed three cars where people are circling, looking for spots and waiting for spots. When you get in your car, you're acutely aware of your environment and that there are others around you and that there are people waiting for your spot and you can empathize with those people. And everyone says, well, hold on, I wanna get my car and I wanna check my text messages or my emails. Fine, pull out, literally go to a side street and park, and then you can check your emails and that's a person I can hang with. And I don't need to know anything about that person's religion, politics, anything. I can hang with that person. That's great. Adam, you know, you're just uh, one of the most fun people to talk to in the world. Thanks for doing this. there is going to be a tipping point, and you're going to be the one. You're going to be the one who says, have you no decency, sir, and gets this lunatic. We're going to stare at Newman's 935 Porsche. We're going to have a craft beer, and you are going to convince me in about right. two hours. Hey, everybody, uh, you can find me at Brian Koppelman on Twitter. You can find Corolla everywhere. Listen to the Adam Corolla Show. Uh, you'll laugh your ass off, and then you'll start yelling at the thing as though he can hear you when you're annoyed with him. He can't hear you, but... but um, but he knows you're out there yelling. (laughs) 
All right, thanks. See you next time.